0: So why are these guys calling me on the phone talking about a Vesper and they say, well, is it control round feed? Oh, I only shoot control round feed. Like what, because, what because is happening a, there? You have American rifle company. That's really pushing them.
1: Mm-hmm. No.
2: They're, yeah. It's usually the guys in hunting dangerous game. And it's old uh, guys.
3: Yes. We got a bunch of Blaine's out there. So, so the guy that's the, the guy that's
2: hunting dangerous
0: game. I mean, what is he mentally thinking is the benefit there? Like it's. It's, it's a sh- big, shooting, hard hitting cartridge, so it needs to be controlled around. I it mean, won't what is pop,
3: the? It, it'll feed, and it won't pop out. Well, it sounds it, like the there's tr- more
0: difficulty to feed. Yes,
3: that's. I, I don't I'll get it. I'll try to find it, but they. It's twice as likely to jam in a controlled round feed than a push feed. So when it comes
0: time right. to shoot that fucking water buffalo in front of you, I'd rather go with. It's kind well, of like
3: the trigger hanger bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Shoot the Hunt Podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. As always, I'm here with Jake Mu Shaney. You said Mew again. I'm gonna do it every time now.
0: How much do you weigh today? Ma? How much do
3: you weigh today? 219. 219 even. And what was the goal? 180 by September 1st. Uh, you got a lot of work to do. Oh, uh, no problem. 40 pounds. 39 no, pounds. No problem. I'll be there in a week. In a week. <laughs> no, I'm going on a cruise. <laughs> I'm bulking till a cruise is done, then I'll then I'm getting serious. A bulk until the cruise. <laughs> what does bulking actually mean? Eat I'm just whatever, gonna eat everything eat, in sight. Eat whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> they do have a gym on this cruise ship. So. Oh no, no, yeah. no, it's it's forbidden. Uh, a cruise, or, or you could, or to
1: you could go to the spa and do one of those wraps. Like my, uh-huh. my wife
3: said, you could get up and and uh, run around the deck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I one day
0: on our cruise that we went on recently, I told you I, I did run, I did run on the deck. Was
3: it? And the on the one up north was the little, one we just went to Alaska. A little colder.
0: There was only one good day out of like the whole trip to run up on the. They had like a real track and right. it tells you your distances as you pass stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm dodging Japanese people and all that good stuff. And because they kind of just at least they're little people. They I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say less stuff like that. But they literally just
2: stand right in the walkway. That's
0: yeah, we yeah, found yeah. when we're. It's like a thing California, that they
2: do at some of the parks. Yeah, it's just like their culture. I think is. They just kind of go through people instead mm. of around
3: people. Yeah. Yep, and so yeah, it's like, they're good in tight spaces. Yeah, no kidding, mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. Well, we have the team Thom. We have Bruce and Daryl Thom, Bat Machine, on the podcast today.
0: I've been saying Tom for the longest time, and I actually felt pretty bad about it after the fact. And no, and don't feel bad about it. It was Taylor. I think Taylor corrected me or said something. I'm like are you kidding right now? Or is that for real? I, I got tired of arguing with people. So I just go with Tom. My okay. wife says Tom. Uh-huh. And. T-H-O-M. I mean, it's Thom if you say it right. Theoretically. But, but you know, yeah.
1: Tom McCann, the department, the men's clothing store in University City, a hundred years ago.
3: <laughs> huh. Nice. Yeah, you know exactly that reference is arcane <laughs> but You'd have to i got be local it to I, I do yeah. remember that <laughs> I'm, I'm lost <laughs> oh that's funny uh i wanted to, before we jump in this is going to be a part of the uh rifle deconstructed we're going to cover all things actions with bruce and daryl but i wanted to kind of ask um to 2021 avery adventures podcast we did a podcast with you and uh, 10,000 feet, we kind of talked about, you know, all the hit prehistory of the bench rest side of all the actions. And I kind of brought up the fact that I thought you guys were lacking in the hunting side. And at that same time you were releasing your aluminum actions of Bumblebee and the vampire. Well, I was just going to kind of pat you guys on the back and say over the that last two years from that, man, you guys have, you guys have kind of really came on strong in the hunting side. Yep. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about, I know like Jake coming up with the Vesper, which I should have been called the guano because it's the shit, bat shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, but you guys came out with the aluminum bumblebee vampire. Guano, Guano bat shit. That it's is the a shit. horrible
0: name for oh, guano. No, what,
3: Vesper, what does Vesper mean?
0: <laughs> Vespertilia is Latin for bat.
3: Okay. So call it guano because the action's the shit.
0: All right. Hey, maybe the next one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe anyways, the next one's going to be the guano. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the shit. Uh, It's not a bad idea now that you explained it, Yeah, but you know, if a, if a name requires explanation, it might not, it's a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. The guano. Hey,
3: it's all about educate education.
0: The Vesper. (laughs) If you didn't know what I just said about Vesper, nobody'd know where Vesper came from either. So Vesper and guano, the fact that uh, yeah, it might work.
3: There you go. But the thing I was trying to point out is (laughs) I always thought you guys were kind of lacking in the hunting side. And over the last two years, you guys have taken a lot of that, you know, in the market share, you guys right. have brought that up with the aluminum versions. I don't know how those are going, but I know the Vesper talking to Jake is selling like hotcakes.
4: Yeah. yeah. You guys
3: want to talk about that at all?
1: Well, yeah, we've definitely always in the past concentrated on ventures. That's our, our roots. So, um, and it pretty much took up all our manufacturing volume ability. Um, but as the years have gone by, we do have more manufacturing ability and also the, uh, we've saturated the bench rest market. So.
3: Would you say you own the bench press press rocket, bench rest market? Well, maybe (laughs) maybe so. (laughs) I nice, like the confidence. We're
0: gonna send Luke with them to the to the championship to get a bunch of footage. Oh, nice! This is the bench rest championship, and I guess we'll see yeah. then when he starts filming everybody's actions. Yeah, there's a lot on the line. Yeah. And but, do you? That's actually one of the one of the notes that we made here. How do you feel about the bench rest competition scene? Does it seem like it is uh, staying the same amount of people involved? Shrinking. Short range seems like it's staying the same.
1: The long range was growing thousand yard class but i see more growth in f class and definitely in the extreme long range stuff mm-hmm. which is kind of an offshoot of interest <laughs> as far as they use those type the big side of our bench rest type actions for building the rigs
4: yeah
3: the, on the bench rest side can you guys elaborate all i see when i picture bench rest, is a bunch of Blanes out there yelling at clouds <laughs> and pissed off about their group size. Is that
4: how it goes? Uh, <laughs> a lot of times.
3: <laughs> that damn wind got that me again. Pretty, pretty <laughs> much,
2: yeah. Oh, I missed
1: that Mirage change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
3: was just trying to picture that in my mind. And F-Class is all belly shooting, is that correct? I don't have any yeah. idea. It's that-
1: basically bench rest
0: prone. Well, they just held the F-Class championships in... in, in- South Africa, right? And, and USA won. They should. Yeah. They probably are shooting bats. Yeah, I think no. USA... What were they saying? I was talking to... Basically, I was talking to the guys at ADG, and they were pretty excited because ADG Brass took first, second, and fourth nice. at the F-Class Championship. It was all seven SOM. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty... Uh, they were pretty excited about that, which is awesome.
3: Why do you think that is growing faster than the benchrest? Bentrest takes a special
1: kind of person. Um, somebody that's really, at least, especially <laughs> short range.
0: We, we know do. these type of people. Yes, we yeah. do. Well, we shouldn't talk too much shit. Cause I think somebody in the room also shoots a little bit.
1: Well, do. it's, <laughs> I, I
0: don't, I, I'm a
1: victim of it too. I mean, I, I enjoy the, the challenge adventurous as well. I just, uh, not enough to re- get really serious about To it.
0: me, it's like the OCD of the shooting world it because is. you can go and shoot a PRS competition with a one MOA gun. A Ruger American or a freaking Tika out of the box and go have a good time at a PRS match, yes, but yeah. but the level of competition and the attention to detail, detail and the and the obsessive compulsive way that they do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just what I've learned from Blaine for the most part when neck turning and and weighing the pressure it takes to see the bullet uh, spinning bullets. Yep, like I mean, literally, you guys are trying. It's like NASCAR. Every NASCAR is the same. You're trying to squeeze the last you know, hundredth of a percent of accuracy out of something. And that's. Yeah, yeah.
3: And that stuff trickles down into the hunting side, especially since it's become more of a long range game, a lot of the hunting. So they're out there kind of proving things and, you know, telling us yeah. hunters what, what needs to be done. And then Blaine has, Blaine has told me, showed me a lot yeah, that I yeah. didn't know. So, all right. So we jump into some questions because, you know, Jake wrote 400 of them. So it might be a while. We might as well yeah. get started. <laughs>
0: Well, I think maybe we were just talking about ELR, we can we can address the rainbow elephant in the room.
3: Yeah, yeah. if you're watching the YouTube, you might you might be blinded by all the colors on the table.
0: <laughs> this is the better of the two that we just built. This is this is my uh, Night Force ELR rifle and it's the only time a bad actions have ever, ever been painted four different colors. That's pretty freaking awesome. It was a it was a odd idea, but then it, I think it turned out fantastic and they're going to look great next to each other.
3: Yeah, I shoot. mean, if you're going to suck, you need to stand out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, with a rifle like that, you better be first or
1: last. Well, yeah. th- see, that's the deal with, with bench rest. You'll see some beautiful paint jobs on mm-hmm. some of the stocks. I mean, yeah. just candy apple, Art, whatever. Art yeah. work, artwork. Artwork. Yeah. So if you you uh, you know, if you can't shoot, at least you had a really
0: cool looking rifle. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, and, sucking in style. And we don't
3: know if we can shoot yet, so
0: we don't know which side of that we, we lie on. But
3: it's going to be gonna fun either out.
4: way.
0: But
1: but then, you know, like Tony Boyer is like the legend, right? And short-range bench rest.
0: His rifle's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> when you do it enough, you stop caring about that kind of stuff. Yeah.
3: Huh. No. Yeah, you never trust a hunter's... <clears throat> never trust a hunter with all his... If his gear looks brand new. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, though, how many... We ought to pay
0: attention if we see any other bad actions when we're out there at the competition, but... Four. I already
3: know of two, so... Oh, yeah, Exactly. Yep. So I imagine the there'll be a few bad actions out we there. We might
0: see some HRs yeah.
3: potentially. Yeah. The HR would probably be the Everybody I talk to is shooting a three hundred Norma. So
0: three hundred Norma has been made popular for sure. We're gonna bring those three hundred Nancy stickers and we're gonna hand them out to people. Yep. Yeah, every time we see a three hundred Norma. He he calls it three hundred Nancy, so I made some stickers. Cool. That say three hundred Nancy, so we're gonna We'll hand those stickers out that he's got right above them, and we'll hand the 300 Nancy stickers out. That's yeah. the Nancy that, that, cartridges. I put a sticker on Ryan's mic boom, <laughs> says I fucking suck at shooting, if you're not watching.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, Might be true some days. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we can get into it. Into the questions. Go for it. Um, Yeah. We've already kind of pre-discussed the recoil lug thick- thickness differences.
0: I should just preface by most of the, most of the stuff that I put on this paper for you guys that are listening have been questions from gun builders or customers. And and we wanted to hear from the experts and hear the expert opinion about these action differences really. So
3: yeah, this is, like I said, this is going back to the rifle deconstructed. So this is the bat machine is here, but this is, we're kind of jumping on all kinds of questions about actions in general. Yeah. So I do hear the recoil thug, recoil lug thickness differences. What matters? What doesn't, what do you need? What are you looking for?
1: well the first thing that matters is that it's part of the receiver um the the washer style recoil lugs aren't a great idea and what makes the washer style recoil lug a better idea is when they do thicken them up um just because there's less flex in the lug and you're it's-
0: basically talking about a uh, a. Uh- attached versus detached recoil lug so the the recoil lug is is machined onto the action or it's a separate piece when you talk about a washer lug right yeah
1: yeah like remington 700 and savages use a washer style lug Mm.
2: Um, the advantage is that it's much cheaper to manufacture because otherwise you're throwing away a lot of steel mm. (laughs) i imagine
1: so but talking about what customers may ask you when they're referring to recoil lug thickness is generally going to be for the washer recoil lugs because most of the manufacturers including us that make an integral recoil lug on their
0: actions use quarter inch or quarter standard. inch is a yeah. standard yeah Pretty much. so so not hugely so if you have a detachable recoil lug if it's not integrated thicker is better is that true yes correct okay and wh- why is it though there's just less flex in the lug. Less flex.
1: And it, it right. you know, that's less important, a smaller caliber you go. But if you're shooting 338, there's a lot of force pushing back on it. And mm-hmm. it just allows things to move more in the stock.
3: Yeah. I have a question on how you test. We had two, not your, not your action, but we had two actions
4: mm-hmm.
3: that both of the recoil lugs failed and they broke off and they were skeletonized and um brutally skeletonized bru- from a certain direction yep from a certain direction and yours has a little bit of skeletonized inside of it yeah we, Where just, do you... drill,
0: we
1: just drill holes through it We've from done.
0: the bottom of the lug though correct versus from the side profile correct yeah
3: yep and theirs was kind of structured now again like a like uh trusses the the, the mm-hmm. one they use and it i shot it and it vibrated really bad i said that's weird i shot it again and that briefly broke off of the action screws and I was Ooh.
4: like, "Ooh, yeah.
3: <laughs> not good." Not I could have ate a bolt. But uh, anyways, I saw yours, and I said, like, "I mean, how do you measure?" This is my layman way. How do you know when enough's enough on that kind of stuff?
0: You yeah. mean how much material? Well, how much material you can it.
3: retrieve? Like the whole, a little bit talking about the Vesper, and the, you know, you guys know what other actions are out there that are right. skeletonized. What's enough? This kind of jumping forward a little bit. What's enough's enough that you don't have those problems?
2: Well, there's you can do finite element analysis to verify but there's other just manufacturing or um engineering designs that are stronger than others you know they, yeah. and I mean, also materials
1: 416 which most other action manufacturers use which it's there's nothing wrong with it obviously all our barrels are made out of 416 um but it's uh its structure as far as on the molecular level is l- lend, lends it to be more brittle it's not as ductile so <clears throat> when it's minim- as ductile as what You're as like 174 okay. <clears throat> um or even 4140 um so it you have to be a little more careful with 416 yeah, you know, in skeletonizing stuff. Mm-hmm.
3: That that kind of jumps into the next uh, question. There's is, also is a program
0: it? though, like what you were talking about, yeah. being able to test stuff. So Daryl has a program where he can
2: actually test. Well, maybe you should right. explain it. Well, yeah, in in the CAD model when I'm designing, I can put stresses on it and see where where the stress concentration is. You know, by increasing a radius at the root of the. The lug, you can increase the strength of the lug, um, or like say, like change how you're coring it, it out, uh, yeah. all that stuff. It'll show you how much flex where, you know, where, where it would break, where it would crack such.
3: Layman. How does that measure? Is it like blunt force or is it like push force or how uh, push force is on the system? I you're use, telling it, it's, you're telling it like it has
0: the properties of the steel, right? Yes. And you're putting a force on a certain part in a certain direction and it changes colors on the screen yes. and it almost shows you the yes. weak points and shows you can you, make yep. adjustments, right? At that time. Like when we did the first Vesper, right? You did yeah. you did all those tests to make yep. sure it was gonna be okay before they even made the first one.
3: And like but, in that modeling, is that why like if you look at your bumblebee or vesper the aluminum ones are flat? They got the little no. pillars cut what do you guys call those little pillars coming down mm-hmm. off of it? Like a wow.
1: standoff, yeah. Stand- <laughs> um <clears throat> the reason those are there is we didn't want to disrupt the the we didn't want to have to go between the steel and the aluminum as far as the machining of the, uh, threads, the threads. Gotcha. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, one, it was it just added complexity because we do all the receiver machining before we put the insert in. And so those threads would have had to been timed between the two, which it can be done, but it just, it would be a pain in the butt. Mm. And two, Aluminum and steel, when touching together, have what's called galvanic corrosion. So if there's no coating between the two, they will corrode. So putting a hole through it into the steel uh, gives it an entry point. Whereas when it's anodized, the receiver is completely anodized, and then the insert is uh, put in... Uh, there's an insulation between the steel and the aluminum so that galvanic corrosion doesn't occur.
2: <clears throat> the other thing is with the aluminum, we wanted a little more length of thread engagement than you'd have with the standard inch 350 uh,
3: diameter. No, like for stripping reasons. Yes. Yeah. Totally yeah. Gotcha. I will say your, t- your tolerances are between an XLR chassis and your tolerances. When you pop that in there, you about got to beat it out with a stick, man. Mm-hmm. It is yep. on there. Yeah. yeah mm. Good
1: job with XLR. They did yep. a, They yeah. did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: they did. Cause you have to work. Like we worked to getting these out because mm-hmm. Taylor redded the lug on these and we had to take it apart yesterday and it took both of us to get it out of there. <laughs>
4: well,
0: yeah. 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 Well, well, we move may, it. We may as well talk about betting now. Betting's yep. on the list here. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Um, as far as betting and how it affects accuracy. In your guys' experience. And the reason we bring this up is we uh we have some stock manufacturers that may say, Hey, our inleting is so good, just like we just talked about the bit with XLR and the of course chassis is different. You don't normally mm-hmm. bet mm-hmm. a chassis, but uh we have some stock manufacturers that believe their inleting and CNC interference is so good that you technically don't need to bet an action anymore. How do you guys feel about that? So
1: I'll start and Daryl can finish. Histori- <laughs> historically historically uh that has not been the case and for a hunting rifle even a guaranteed half moa hunting rifle, some of these current stocks with quality inletting i would agree with them but you're never going to achieve the fit you'll achieve with bedding Mm -hmm. because i mean our action has a tolerance for the od i mean yeah it's It's close, but it's not an exact
2: fit between the two. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, in the in the past well, I guess maybe I should say with a betting job, as with anything, you can have good jobs and bad jobs. Mm. And I know you guys have seen that here Mm -hmm. at Unknown. We so, just had a rifle
0: that came back to the shop like three times. We couldn't figure out why why it would shoot great for us and then get to the customer after shipping and then not shoot. And finally, we figured out it had ten thousands of play in the bedding job. And once it was re-bedded, we used the same testing process, and, and Taylor's bedding job had a thou of movement or almost no yeah. movement. There's, and that solved the problem.
3: And there's another manufacturer that you take there. You take the the action out, and all the bedding falls out. Mm-hmm. That can't be good. Well, any
0: of that spot, it's basically spot bedding or, mm. or whatever. I don't even know what you want to call that's it. They basically squirt some bedded. shit in there and they squeeze around the pillar area or on the, of the lug area. They squeeze them together and the, and
3: the job's done. They don't check. They just send it out the door. Yeah. And so, th- there's three of them that we re-bedded that have fell. The bedding literally fell the freak out. When well they're pulled they're it not out. the only ones either. The whole yeah. One. But it's just funny that those, it's all the same company that's <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: So therefore, bedding by itself is not the answer. All a of good the betting, betting job is the answer. Yeah. And again, I've shot with my aluminum chassis MPA stock in thousand yard competition. And currently it's still my smallest group ever and no betting. Hmm. So I'm, it's you know, compared to guys that do it every day, shoot the thousand yard, it's not that great a group, but it's yeah. my best.
0: Basically the idea is that you want as little movement between the action and either stock or chassis as possible. You want it to be yeah, hard mounted. And,
1: and the other, the other issue is not just the fact that it fits well, you want it to fit well without bending the action.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. So, Stress free.
1: Yeah. So, because when you, so we make the action perfectly square and then you go and bolt it into uh, a poor bending job or a chassis that, it's not machine straight, and you basically bend the action into the stock mm-hmm. on a hunting st- type actions, where there's a lot more flex than like our benchrest actions, where they're solid bottomed. Um, and so now your lug contact that was perfect with the action in a free state only has one lug touching. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. other side of of the importance of bedding is just getting the s- action into the stock without bending the stock or bending well, ben- the action.
2: Right. Because we, we had one, one customer that, um, had a certain chassis manufacturer. When you would tighten the back screw, it would actually release the trigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was down so mm-hmm. So in those cases, you have to bed even a chassis system to support the action. So Properly. it sits. Yeah. Yeah. It sits flat. That was an extreme case. It was, yeah, but, but it, it, it's, they're out there. They're out there. I mean, that's there. the thing. Mm-hmm. People don't even know it.
0: Talking about flex and bedding, uh, the next question I asked so when we set out to build these competition rifles, we originally intended to put them in a Macmillan Nimrod stock, which is Dallas Lane stock. Mm-hmm. And there's one of them sitting right back behind you, Bruce. But it's 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 one of the more robust ELR stocks on the market. Uh, made by Macmillan, do a fantastic job. It has all the upgrades with the pillar reinforcement, all that good stuff, right? But when we, we attempted to put this barreled action into that stock and once the bipod was on the front and the whole weight of the barrel was leaning on it, the fore end of the stock was touching the barrel. Yeah. there just there 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 wasn't enough stock there to contain that barrel. It weighs eight and a half, it was eight and a half pounds as a blank, a 30 inch we call it's basically the Vibbert competition contour from benchmark. It finishes at mm-hmm. 1050, uh starts at 1250 mm-hmm. and it's 30 inches long, finished at 30 inches. So how do you determine how much barrel weight the action can support. Now that was basically a stock issue where the stock couldn't support the barrel weight, but is there anything that you do as far as like, is that too much barrel for that action? And how do you know?
1: (laughs) You'll find out when you shoot it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll say this, my opinions on what it takes to support a heavy barrel, have changed over the years. Um the ultimate solution is a stiff solid bottom action, but it's it's been proven to me and by us ourselves in our own experimenting that you can put a pretty heavy barrel on a properly bedded to the stock action, yeah. you know, yeah. hunting type action that's lightweight.
0: Um do the one and the eighth tendon threads sup- help support that weight or would it matter? The one and the 16th versus one and eighth? It's more, it's more important that the amount of barrel shoulder you have for supporting the weight. Okay. So a proper diameter barrel for the action you're putting it on, you want a nice shoulder all the way around with full contact with the action. Yeah. Full contact and the, the more shoulder you have, the, be- the
1: stiffer that joint is. Okay. So like if you were to truly try and maximize what the stiffness of the barrel to action joint would be on the, that receiver go with an inch 350 barrel at least where it touches the breech okay okay and that would maximize the, the stiffness of the
0: barrel so those are those are one 250 joint. that are on there yeah and that's the. we meta. also couldn't fit yeah we couldn't right. fit a one 350 in that chassis right. anyway but i get what you're saying if you're in a if you're in a bedded bench rest style of application right
1: and on the Vesper or any, like our Model HR, any of our inch and an eighth shank, uh, barrel shank actions, inch and a quarter is the minimum mm-hmm. you will want to use.
0: Okay, the, so the so bigot, shoulder.
2: Yeah, but going to the thread size, the, the biggest reason for the larger threads is better support for larger case walls. Mm-hmm. So larger case the, diameters. Case diameters.
0: Yeah, try to picture it as
2: leaving more meat around the the chamber. Yeah. More meat around Which, the chamber um, helps reduce sticky bolt lift and things like that mm-hmm. because of the flex of the steel itself.
0: Is that
3: I, generally a standard for Lapua bolt faces? No, no, it doesn't matter.
0: Like a Defiance anti is still one and a sixteenth tenon threads uh, with a Lapua bolt face. That's interesting. Yeah, but like if it, you picture the barrel, there's more meat because oh, the
3: yeah. But I just didn't know if they had a. Cause it seems to me you'd want to jump. It up should be a to, standard. Yes, yes. Well, I talked yeah. to I talked to be.
0: several gun builders. Dallas Lane is one of them. If you're building a, a three thirty eight Lapua improved, he doesn't want to build on anything but a bat for these reasons. And you know he's yeah extremely picky about what he does, but it's understandable. It
1: it well, I mean, so going way back in time when uh, the three thirty eight was basically four sixteen Rigby was mm-hmm. what kind of that whole thing came from. And there was guys necking down to four sixteen to three thirty eight. And they some of the early guys were using uh old enfield actions Mm. because they had larger barrel shanks. Uh Uh-huh. And uh yeah, that's going back quite a few years. Okay. And these this
0: is probably one of the reasons you decided on one and eighth to start
1: yeah it becomes pretty obvious. Okay. As you know, and when you see the same cartridge being shot on a Remington action with
0: an inch of 16th, then it's, that guy cannot shoot the same loads. Yep. So you guys, those of you that's listening, we're talking about the thread diameter that is machined onto the barrel where the barrel screws into the action. The standard across the board is one and a 16th. That would be the Remington 700 standard. Uh, bat machine, long actions definitely are... Well, our medium and our long vesper are both one Each and, an and eighth, Yeah. Yep. When we when we do the small vesper, is that going to go to one and a sixteenth? The yes. short vesper, well, normally it would, yeah. yeah okay, Unless so
1: we decide to do something, yeah, different
0: to keep it strong. Well, <laughs> the idea is that we're more than likely not going to have a Lapua bolt face in the right. short vesper. Right. It would be exactly, yeah. so. It'd be kind of uh, pointless. Yeah, but you know, the, as you're choosing, if, if your next gun build you're looking at is a 338 Lapua improved or a 33XC or anything in the Lapua case head you will benefit from the larger 10 in diameter only available from Bat machine. Yeah. 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 Savage
1: does a large shank version on their actions as well. They do it an inch and an eighth. Okay. Uh, for their, with a, with a nut, with the nut yeah. system. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. I got a question on the, your, uh, action materials. And the last podcast, I don't know if it was you, Bruce, or Daryl, that talked about titanium actions and why you didn't use it. I got a lot of feedback on that. And, you know, a lot of people disagreed with you. A lot of people agreed with you about the stretching aspect of the titanium barrel and why you didn't use it. Can yeah, you kind of
1: like, like, probably what I said then? Um, it's not that it's not unusable and a total fail. It, it will work and it does work. And you know, we have, uh, is that, I can't remember their name right now. Top Lo- of head. Lone, lone Peak lone, Fusion. Lone Peak Fusion. And <clears throat> they're successful action. They work well. The problem is for our customer base historically is that they push everything to the edge. And when you do that, there is uh, titanium has a is more stretchy it's it's has a very high tensile strength, but tensile strength is a measure of how much it stretches before it fails or
0: deforms permanently. It's elastic. it's like it's, the your 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 band your waistband on your underwear everything's elastic all all steel. <laughs> I, I wear titanium. That shit out. <laughs> it starts getting that little wavy look to it it gets wore out a little bit <laughs>
1: everything stretches yes steel, steel stretches too but titanium stretches further with the same
0: uh pressure put on it i don't think that's the use that's not the usual like the 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 consumer is not seeing the stretch the the biggest no. complaint i hear about on a titanium no. action from a consumer standpoint is the stickiness mm. of the bolt yeah That's the biggest complaint. We were
2: just talking about the barrel thread and the, the, um, material around the wall. When you go to titanium, instead of the worried about the barrel stretching in a radial direction, now you've got the action, the bolt stretching lengthwise, Mm -hmm. and then coming back up against the case. Mm. So
3: say you build a 300 ultra titanium action and you go, what are you going to see in that stretching that, I mean, accuracy wise?
1: It, probably, nothing. It, probably nothing. Probably nothing. Yeah,
3: it'll be the feel of the bolt.
1: It'll, it'll be, be the feel of the bolt. But yeah. it could.
3: There could be a variable in there that you don't see that could cause accuracy issues. Maybe? Well, actually, mm-hmm. it
2: could it could help accuracy because it could allow things. Some people like our aluminum axes because of the deadness of them. Gotcha. Um, for accuracy, because but, it
1: um, because because it can stretch, it can tend to damp the vibration cycle. It's definitely going to change it. It's going to change probably the nodes where the best accuracy is.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Is that a thing? Right up till it doesn't, and then something catastrophic could happen. No, you ain't. You're not not catastrophic
1: catastrophic issue. Gotcha. Uh, It's it's not catastrophic.
0: You're talking about the way the stainless barrel behaves inside the titanium. Yeah, the front of the titanium action. Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: And then on the flip side, another questions that were brought up is your the seventeen four against the the four sixteen and. You know, because we were talking about at that point in time getting actions out, and they were like, "Well, hell, you could make twice as many if you just use 416." No, no, no.
1: 416 in the hardness that you're machining it for uh, receiver bodies is not any easier to machine than than 174. Okay, it's um,
2: in some in some processes it was. Yeah, that one batch.
0: <laughs> yeah. But if you put a percentage on it, you might be talking about ten percent or something like this. Is not. It's not. 50, you're not going to make twice as many actions. No. no. If you switched. No. Okay. No. And,
3: and talking on the seventeen four again, it's you use it because.
1: Because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it has it has none of the the downsides of four sixteen, as far as uh, things like recoil lugs breaking off. We could do that same recoil lug machining. On a seventeen four action, and you would not break it. Mm. It really, yes, um, because it doesn't have that brittle phase. They so seventeen four, I think, was originally developed probably for uh, I don't know if it was originally developed for jet engine parts or if it was developed for uh, something in the aircraft world. Anyway, and I think they still use it in like landing gears and stuff. It's like, and the reason is is so 416 has an issue with hot and cold with with cold the colder it gets it literally will split i mean it gets with brittle. enough pressure it gets brittle gotcha. um you'll find barrel makers that have a disclaimer they will not do a contour <clears throat> under a certain size just for that reason because they don't know if somebody's going to alaska or the yukon and hunting in 20 and it, at a certain point, it's metallurgically proven, it becomes brittle past a certain temperature. And that's why they don't use it for aircraft landing gear. I mean,
0: it's mm-hmm. really
1: cold. They don't know what kind of conditions. So it's it's a totally different alloy
0: than 17.4. Why do you think the other big manufacturers, not naming anyone in particular, but I believe the majority of action manufacturers stick with 416 for the body? So why do they do that if seventeen four is superior? The one advantage
1: that four sixteen has over seventeen four is it is more gall resistant.
0: Okay. So if you're not um, like screwing the barrel in,
1: screwing mm-hmm. the barrel in, recoil lug, you know, or, uh, the lug surfaces, seventeen mm-hmm. four um, it does have a little more tendency to gall than than four sixteen. Mm-hmm.
3: But I think it was you telling. I think it was you guys saying the seventeen four takes the nitride better. Nitrate
1: yes, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. not that it
2: takes a better, it's safer. Again, it's a. There's a what point is that? There. What do you mean?
1: Well, so with heat treating of steels, every steel has a range where there's. I should say every steel, but many steels have a range where they become brittle in a certain at a certain hardness range, and that's achieved by the tempering temperature, and so. Uh, to effectively nitride four sixteen r- requires somebody that's really good metal- with their with their with their process to avoid getting four sixteen in that range. Gotcha. From what I understand, we haven't had four sixteen done, but we've talked to the heat treaters about it. Mm-hmm. And there's there's definitely one company that's really good at it. And most of the guys that are having their their four sixteen actions nitrided use that company.
0: What's the name of the company?
3: Top secret. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we don't want lead times going up. Okay. How about? Uh, so I wrote fine line between weight and strength. Where does it balance out? You know, we see some of these actions. At some point, a steel has to, uh, an action has to have a certain amount of material there. You can't get rid of right to to maintain strength and so on. So th- I see these action manufacturing. It seems like every year, someone's coming out with the next one, and all they're doing is removing more material or skeletonizing more. And it's the endless pursuit of, yeah, exactly. It's like the endless pursuit of ultra light. Right (laughs) now I would consider the Vesper probably as light as you can go and maintain that, that let's call it bat strength. Right. Some of the other actions, they actually, where the ejection port is, they make the ejection port 180 degrees across the top of the action. Mm -hmm. And when I picture that, it just looks like it can, you can literally grab it and then just bend it. So, okay. It depends on what you're going to do with it. I mean, the front, the front part of the
1: action is the only part that matters for firing strength, you know, mm-hmm. the, the front receiver ring. Yeah. And the back of it is just a, a guide and a carrier. So if you are not hanging heavy barrels off of it, you can have a pretty light action. Okay, And if the bedding is
2: good, then that helps the action out. Um, and you could always bat a couple inches of the barrel too. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be swapping barrels no Or basically balance it in the center and the back, you're yeah. not relying on that to hold your barrel. Mm-hmm. But
1: to go back to your question, as far as bats opinion is the Vesper is as light as we're ever going. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you guys hit it. I think you hit that balance. Perfect. I've had other skeletonized and you can go too far the other way. To where I got to dang near stand up to, you know, open the bolt because they gave you this little skinny toothpick mm-hmm. of a bolt handle to pick up. So mm-hmm. I think you're, you still feel like a full size running action in a lightweight package. Mm-hmm. It's 26 all, ounces in a
0: long and 25 ounces in a medium so far.
2: Yeah. We also didn't want to add a bunch of entry points for dirt, debris, mm-hmm. leaves. Yeah, you My go needles. cut you go cutting
1: those pockets on the other side of the receiver there all the way through. Yeah, it's maybe not going to make a lot of difference in the overall stiffness, but it makes yeah, you got a lot of junk twigs yep. falling in there. Who knows? I mean, you know, you think you're not going to ha- end up with that stuff until you're
0: out in the field, and <laughs>
1: it yep, just yep, happens.
0: <laughs> and it doesn't take but the smallest little whatever to get in there, and the bolt won't close. Yeah, yeah. All right.
3: Ah, two lugs versus three lugs, pros and cons.
0: Now, this is stemming because I've heard several times since the introduction of the Vesper, they always ask, what degree bolt throw is it? And it's a 90. Mm Yeah. And obviously, there are 60s out there, and I don't fully understand. So one of those questions here is, can you have a 60-degree throw with a dual lug bolt? You could. So you can turn the Vesper into a 60-degree throw.
1: No, I'm not going to. But but it, but it's physically possible. So what hap- what happens to make that happen is you have to go to narrower lugs, mm-hmm. and to uh a, to still just have two lugs and have two contact. lugs and sixty degrees. Yeah, and for the cartridges that you guys are using, that's not an option. If you're just using a 473 bolt face, then okay. you could do that. Yeah, because there would be enough str- lug strength. Gotcha. Um, yeah. the three lugs, as far as accuracy in the bench rest world, it, it depends which of our customers you talk to. But I w- just coincidentally was talking to one of our longtime customers that's a extremely avid bench rest shooter, and he he shot all models of our bench rest actions for the last, I don't know how long we've been making actions, 27 years. And he said when he switched to the three lug, his eggs, the average group size he shoots dropped, I believe he gave me a number like 20%.
3: Mm. 20% bigger?
1: Smaller. Really? And that's not just like overnight average yeah. it's it's his experience over over you know, time 10 to 10 year comparison periods basically okay is what he so he feels that that's all it's all he will shoot in his bag guns but he will not shoot it in a rail gun because the bolt lift is stiffer and it disrupts his uh rail when he's opening the bolt so he shoots our two lug in the rail gun
0: yeah i have noticed three lug now we're,
1: when, we're, when you're talking. Stiff talking 20% re- reduction in group size, you know, you're talking the difference between his average being maybe 0. 0.12 to 0. 0.1. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's, I don't know how you prove that in the hunting world. Yeah, It, exactly. it, it would be very difficult to quantify that difference in the hunting so, world.
0: So to go back to the 60 degree throw on a two lug, you would have to make the lugs smaller. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Have you
3: ever seen the fierce? They have it. Uh-uh. It's like 66
0: degrees, and they are mm-hmm. tiny little lugs. Okay, okay, which yeah. basically, like we talked about, all the strength is in the front end. The smaller the lugs, the not... the. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, the, the issue becomes, as you reduce the lug size, as you redu- reduce the contact patch, and so then you start... uh When the contact patch becomes small enough, you can start permanently deforming the metal because it's a smaller contact area that is... Taking the load, taking the load, mm-hmm. and that's one reason the lugs on our HR Vesper series, both both the medium and the the long Vesper, are they're longer and wider than you'll find in anybody else's action. Okay, um, except for I do believe. There's a couple guys
0: that make a three-quarter inch bolt with a lar- larger lugs. Mm-hmm. I think like defiance, if you get, I think if it goes up to a Lapua, doesn't it change to a three-quarter inch? I think so. I yeah. think, yeah. Defiance, I if you get so. Lapua specifically, it goes up to three-quarter. And I
1: think Pierce
0: yeah. makes one like that too. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So we're not getting away from the 90 degree throw for strength reasons. So for a repeater, 60 degree throw. We,
1: we messed with them way back when we first started making three lugs. Some guys wanted some repeaters, so we played with them. Um, we never messed with them long enough to overcome the issues of uh, feeding with them. And the larger diameter bolt, because we currently use a, what we call a full diameter bolt. Uh, so the lugs are the same diameter as the bolt body, in our case, 900. And... What that does is it drops your whole magazine setup and trigger all that drops in the stock because the bolt's fatter. Mm. So it adds some issues that way as far as compatibility with currently available stock systems. And then also just uh, like, I believe our three lug would be limited to a Magnum bolt face only. You couldn't do 338. Okay. in the current so, design hmm. just because of the way the, the lugs are formed inside the receiver, the case wouldn't pass through it. Right. And so, and the other issue of 60 degree bolt throw is, is you, to get the same kind of uh, bolt lift force, you need to either increase the diameter of the camming area so that as you increase the diameter of the camming area, it allows a larger radius so that there's less force mm-hmm. because you need to achieve the same amount of firing pin travel with 30 degrees less throw. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to get the, uh, bolt lift as nice without going to lighter firing pin springs and,
0: Got it. Or less firing pin
1: travel, so your cam you, is shallower.
0: When you talked about everything moving down, is that where the trigger hanger comes into play?
2: Mm, it no. wouldn't.
0: Doesn't make any difference. It's the it, relationship.
2: It's the, the diameter of the bolt is bigger. Uh huh. So if that's bigger, the cocking piece is farther down, and the trigger has to drop down.
0: And the okay. Back- so so is that why some, some action manufacturers have a trigger hanger? It's because, like, what is no. it directly related to why they the, put a trigger hanger?
1: The trigger hanger, the only point of the trigger hanger was originally for bench guys. Um, when you're using two-ounce triggers, in the past, we now have some very good trigger manufacturers, but historically, the triggers, when you get to that two-ounce level, weren't that reliable. And so it was not uncommon to have a trigger fail in the middle of a match. And so they would have another trigger and a trigger hanger. When oh. so in bins, the receivers are glued into the stocks usually on bench guns. It With a pinned you trigger, it was it impossible out. to remove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with it, a hanger, it allows you to come in from the bottom and unscrew it and drop the whole trigger huh. and hanger out that's the only reason trigger hanger I mean there's
0: there's popular. custom action manufacturers today you know an action you might use in a hunting build that has a trigger hanger on it why are mm-hmm. they doing that I don't know sex pill is it is it easier to manufacture or no so they're choosing to put a trigger hanger there when they don't need it true <laughs> the
1: no old, shit. The, we we do do it on our TR just for the same reason it that was a competition. A tr- a action aimed at competition and allow you to
2: swap the trigger out. Yeah, but in today's world, people use it. We do it with the adjustable, so you can reposition your trigger if yeah, you turn it around. And the, the holes are
1: not centered in the hanger, so that you can flop the sw- flip the hanger 180 degrees and change how much firing pin travel you have. But and then we I'm offer, not a, and we offer two hangers to with different offsets, so you can. Mm play with it changes the way the bolt feels increase your firing pin travel whatever
3: so there's nothing to do with sear contacts and nothing no. so it's all smoke and mirrors when they yeah. tell you that shit
2: um i don't know what they're doing for sure but yeah i'm not aware of really
0: anybody else well, i mean i think the functionality of an action with a 700 trigger is pretty straightforward right so if the one has a trigger hanger and one doesn't and there's no actual purpose or reason to have a trigger hanger it just confuses me why the fuck they're doing it then
3: yeah i <laughs> yeah. agree because yeah. I always thought it was before. I have heard engagement. some smoke and mirrors like yeah. Ryan's talking about. Well, I it, just read about it the other day. Yeah.
2: So, like I say, with the TR, it is adjustable. Like I say I'm not aware of some of the other companies that are making them if they are adjustable or not. Mm-mm. But our TR is so that does change. The, it's not. It's not sear
1: engagement as far no. as the depth of the engagement. It's but it's, it's the position. It, it, position right. where it positions the trigger changes the firing pin travel
3: so it has There's, no functional nothing to do with this other you know other reason.
0: than other than that no
3: huh. oh, well there you go a lot of bullshit out there <laughs>
0: okay so, so two lug versus three lug 60 degree throw how about modular so i have had my share of customers who believe that a modular bolt is somehow weaker and inferior to other one-piece bolt designs. So I understand that, obviously, we already talked about all the work is being done in the front, and that's not where our modular bolt disengages. It's at the rear where there's no pressure. Right. And I understand all that, but guys still, I get it time and time so, again.
1: as far as weakness, the only weakness they'd be referring to is like when they got a tight case and they're pounding the bolt handle open with a hammer.
3: Okay.
0: I've never been there. Yeah. We haven't had to use seven <laughs> guys to haven't, get a bolt up. <laughs> oh, oh, I've been there
3: way too many. I've been there with him. I've been uh-huh. there by myself. I've you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so so force on the bolt handle.
1: I as far as other systems where they replace it at the front of the action mm-hmm. with a pin. Um I
0: don't know. Yeah, so I basically I, I don't
1: I don't really think so the thing is, is you're not going to break that off when it's in the receiver. It can't like, what do you want to say? It can't spread. Right. right. So you're not going to, I don't know.
0: Somebody breaks one, we'll give them a new bolt. <laughs> so for those of you watching, I'll try to explain it listeners too, but basically the all the work is being done where the lugs are on the front of the bolt. Where this bolt changes to a different bolt face has nothing to do with this area. It's done way back here where you can actually see the green and the black difference in colors there it keys off there's a little sleeve inside here that keeps them from separating you pull the sleeve out you separate the two pieces this whole front it's a whole bolt nose rather than just a bolt face it's this whole area so all the strength is retained and to me and And in our experience there's this bolt is not weak in any way shape or form
2: and it and it maintains alignment between Mm. the lugs and the body Uh uh-huh and that's Big reason that split it in the back and that the back seam is in the back bridge underneath the, okay, underneath your scope.
0: So you're saying still supported. It's supported all pretty much all I the mean, way.
2: You got your lug cuts, but it's supported top and bottom. Yeah. In that area.
1: Yeah. yeah. So like Daryl was just saying is about alignment. I, the Savage style two piece bolt that guys have copied, uh, it is definitely a legitimate system. It's just, there's a pin that goes through there that your firing pin goes through that retains that pin. And depending on the fit of that pin in the hole, it it can move around, which worst case scenario, it moves far enough that it touches the side of your firing pin as your firing pin is moving forward during the firing cycle, which probably is not gonna cause you a misfire, but it is, theoretically going to change the way the ignition cycle happens. And it's just not the best situation for guaranteeing accuracy. Um, yeah. I just, I like having that whole front end of the bolt where the firing pins being critically guided into as one piece. I don't, I don't want to separate that.
2: And, I agree. And the other, the other parts of our reasons behind this is we could make a solid bolt, which we do for somewhat rest. on our bench stuff. Or all your bolts used to be solid. No, no, no. They okay. were TIG welded handles. Okay. Originally, silver soldered handles, and then went to yeah. TIG welded, and now we have the modular or a solid. But um, we start with bar stock, not plate stock, to try and keep things true and consistent and straight. Because as you machine stuff, any uneven machining wants causes things to warp. Um, so,
1: so. What Daryl's saying is, is when he's saying we start from bar stock, we start from round bar stock, big enough to accommodate that uh, one piece bolt stub on our our ventrist uh, ventrist actions.
0: So yeah. it's it's
2: this diameter here. Well, we not Almost. quite that big. We go a little smaller. So a shorter handle um, because of that reason. We have to have a longer knob, but Mm -hmm. yes, the handle that's attached is... This
0: actually goes back to when we first started talking about action. So when you the reason why an integrated lug and integrated rail action is more expensive is because you have to start with the full diameter round of steel in order to leave those. So if you have a non-integrated lug, non-integrated rail action, you're starting off with a much smaller diameter piece Mm -hmm. of steel to start with. So the same... The same thing as applying to the bolt itself. If you want a one-piece bolt with a long handle on it, well, the diameter of the steel you start with has to be as long as the handle. Yeah, twice Twice as long Basically. as Basically, it... yeah. yeah.
1: So what, what Daryl's talking about is, is you can start that bolt with an integral handle from a piece of plate. In other words, cut an L out of a piece oh. of plate. But plate is rolled with the grain structure... I don't know, linear like this. And then when you start cutting a, a chunk out of it, uh, an L shape, then the grain structure is no longer equal around the center line of the bolt. Got it. Whereas a round bar, the grain structure is rolled to where it's in that circular shape. And so as you machine it, it tends to stay straighter and
0: not move. It's just one of those things that's a shortcut in manufacturing that you guys choose a lot not to of it. do because yeah, it saves it a lot of material, stays stronger and straighter. I've never yeah.
3: done, I've never had a problem with a bolt, and I've thought that wasn't directly related to something that I did that was stupid.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so yes. I don't know.
3: I think it's a thing that people think about that doesn't actually really happen.
1: Oh, it happens. It happens.
3: Well, breaking off bolt knobs because you put you know way too much powder in. Yeah. I, I, bolt handles, but I mean, bolts breaking is, that is a regular, yeah, yeah,
1: like as a regular in yeah. normal use and theoretical. Yeah. No. Oh, I've broken loads. off a
3: lot of bolt handles, but it directly related to me being dumb. Mm. <laughs> so I don't, I think it's just a thing where people talk about a lot and it's not actually the problem they perceive it is. Yeah. So more but questions I like get. a
1: lot of money for an action, you kind of want the thing to be foolproof.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that is about as foolproof as you can get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Let's talk about uh, bolt nose differences and control round feed. The reason being is, is we actually have an employee here at unknown munitions that says who he only wants to shoot control round feed. Cause it's the best on the planet. We also have some, uh, I've talked with some machinists and, and gun builders who there are recessed bolt noses. There are different things that can happen with a bolt nose that are more difficult to machine from the rifle builders perspective. Uh, but let's just say, what are the different bolt nose Types that you can have in an action, and then what is all the bullshit about control round feed? Why is it better or not better, and, and so on? There's no
1: question that controlled round feed is is a a good. I mean, it was adopted
0: by several militaries of the world. It's it's a very reliable system. What is it though? Ex- explain control S- round feed to the layman in, in 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 a few words. So controlled round feed means the. The extractor is basically fixed.
1: It cannot pop over the rim of a case. It has to feed up from the bottom through um, the magazine into the bolt face. As you push it forward, it it feeds under the extractor. So in other words, it's able to be, since it's
0: virtually non-movable, You. it's very strong. Seems like things got to line up really well for that to function reliably. So that, that's
1: the second part of it. The... The reason most of us do not make controlled round feed magazines that are making actions is because we have no idea what the end customer is going to
0: put in it. So, all the mix and match and different bottom metals and all this shit we deal with in the custom rifle world would make controlled it round would make feed it difficult. An absolute pain the, in the butt. Okay.
3: There was actually a study in the military put it, the vast majority of militaries have went to a push feed because of the problems. That like control the, round feed brings. feeds, you know, jamming up, not just what Bruce is well, talking. Well, if you imagine
0: about. that, that so that that round of ammunition has to come straight up, and then the belt or the rim has to line up. Per the rim of the case has to literally push straight up into the bolt nose in well, one.
1: It, it goes in at an angle because okay. it's, it goes into the bolt face as it's feeding up. So the okay. bottom, the bottom inside edge of the extractor has a little bit of an angle to allow it to do that. Mm-hmm. But what. And even we find this to be a a problem with uh, the different cases that come out. You have different manufacturers, you have tolerances in the rim thickness, Mm -hmm. and and that that affects even how they eject out of a a non-controlled round feed magazine, how much clearance there is under the extractor, depending on the rim thickness. I mean, you've got all these different brass manufacturers, and then you've got the tolerances of the brass itself that on the rim, I mean, I've seen <laughs> 10 thousandths difference, 15 thousandths difference, same case, different manufacturer and rim thickness. And yeah, from, from that perspective, controlled round feed, although it is a
0: good system. What rifles today, what production rifles today do you think are are using controlled round Ruger's, feed?
3: Ruger's, the Winchester. The Winchest Ruger's like, are semi-controlled round. Like They're the Winchester sure
1: Model so, 70
0: is the...
3: But that's before... What does that mean? Because I just... I read a lot it'll of shit.
1: Snap, it'll snap over the case that's, still. That's...
3: Okay. So it's it's not fully... Included. It does both functions. It's that
1: same style, but it will gotcha. snap over.
3: So uh-huh. Winchester...
0: So why are these guys calling me on the phone, talking about a Vesper, and they say, well, is it control round feed? Oh, I only shoot control round feed. <laughs> like,
2: what? Because, what because is happening a, there?
1: you have American Rifle Company that's really pushing them.
2: Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> yeah. It's usually
0: the guys that... Hunting dangerous game and it's old but, uh, guys.
3: Yes, <laughs> got a bunch of Blains out there. So, so the guy that's the the guy that's <laughs> hunting
0: dangerous game. Wh- I mean, what is he mentally thinking? Is the benefit there? Like it's it's you a sh- big shooting, hard hitting cartridge, so it needs to be controlled around. I mean, what is that?
3: It it'll feed and it won't pop out. Well, when it sounds he, like the there's tr- more
0: difficulty to feed.
3: Yes, that's, I, I don't I'll get I'll it. try to find it, but they, it's twice as likely to jam in a controlled round feed than a push feed. So when it comes time
0: right. to shoot that fucking water buffalo in front of you, I'd rather go with. It's kind well, of like
3: the trigger hanger bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors.
0: <laughs> Here we go. If he's worried about it, he should really be shooting side by side. Yeah. There, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You get two chances. Board. You get two chances. But I, you yeah. know, I, I really do get this question often. It's yeah. not. I don't just I put this do. shit down we, here I right know. You do. That's why the why I first don't answer thing out, the phone out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Why don't you guys build control around feed? That's the only thing I'll shoot. I just. I don't. Now. I'll, now I have some. Now I have some feedback for him, and I understand what's happening. Well, but So yeah, it depends
1: on what you're doing. If you're shooting two, three hundred yard, and you're not into extreme
0: accuracy, and you're shooting elk and deer sized targets. Doesn't matter, but control Shooter round control feed is not really an option for these guys, right? Does defiance make a a control round feed action? I haven't. I don't. Care I, mean, well. I mean, I mean, where are they? they, they where are they in a, in a custom rifle world? Montana Rifle they Company don't, made one.
3: Yeah, that's and then you know, the company just the other company, American Rifle Company, yes. makes one.
0: Okay, if that's
1: what they got to have, that's now go if you're for building,
0: it. let's say you're building, you got a, a, an ARC nucleus or the new Coup de lait, Fleur Florida Gras, whatever they're calling that now, and maybe it comes in a the Florida Lee. Remember, that's the new, like that's mm-hmm. like an $800 custom action, whatever they're doing. If you can get that in control round feet, I mean, what, what bottom metals and magazines in, in a Macmillan stock is going to work? And I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure they've worked it out. Huh. Well, let us know if you know, email us podcast yeah. at shoot to after Moving down done, the road. After
3: you're done yelling at the cloud, email yeah. us. <laughs> so I have uh,
0: I've I've had I've heard a lot of terms lately in the action world that I don't fully understand. So I wanted to ask the experts things like caulk on close, caulk on open, uh, firing pin diameter, protrusion, uh, ignition energy. These are all, again, I know it's ignition not all energy. ignition energy. I know these is not all smoke and mirrors, and I know there's a lot to it, but I think, like, if I don't understand it fully, then I think some of these guys that call me and ask me these questions are just diving a little too deep. So I'll, let's just try to – I can confuse you even more. Well, <laughs> let's keep it for the layman guy, right? That Like the layman guy that's reading about firing pin diameter, uh, protrusion.
3: i going to start with that. And can we add captured firing pin in there?
0: Captured yeah. and cock on open and cock on close. Timing okay. ignition timing so firing pin diameter. Uh,
1: traditionally, uh, your Remington 700, uh, Winchester, Springfields were going way back, Mausers had firing pin diameters around 80 thousandths, and moving forward, like Kelby's, who was the first real major manufacturer, bench rest actions, they kind of stuck right there too. Uh, the issue we started having in bench rest because we're always pushing the limit, was, and we're using small rifle primers, is that you have a hole that the primer can extrude into at top level loads. And by reducing the diameter of that firing pin, you reduce the area that the firing pin or the primer cup can extrude into. So...
0: we Are we se- talking about the tip of the firing We're pin or the whole the firing tip. pin? Just the, the tip. tip. Just, Just the, the tip. Dip the tip.
1: <laughs> and so we settled on 70,000s many years ago and have stayed there. Uh, I'm not real thrilled. The The smaller one will give you allow you to shoot a little bit hotter, like 60,000, 62,000, some of the guys are using will allow you to shoot a little bit hotter before that
0: starts extruding, uh, but it also comes Ex- Can you explain? I don't understand the extruding part, the primer extruding.
1: Well, if you ever load it hot enough where <clears throat> you got your primer cup and the back of it looks like the tip of that pin
0: when you take it out, mm. around the, the fire You got a dimple hole.
2: and then you have a ring oh, around I've the dimple that. okay, okay. Yes. Oh, Like the donut. So you, you the
0: donut up, around the... Yeah. Okay.
2: I don't call it a donut,
0: but... I see. Well, when you, <laughs> it's, so, a tit. it's a tit. So if
2: you set, try to set the case vertical on the table to tip over. Cause yeah. yeah. Have, it's...
0: But, so, it, but visually re- it has a donut around the part where the firing pin yes. struck the primer. Correct. It
1: becomes a donut when you shoot hot enough, that, that thing extrudes right down your firing pin hole. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, that's what happens when I blow it on. That's always, U- my brass always looks like the that. 300
3: ultra, everyone.
0: <laughs> that's a one hitter quitter. <laughs> cannot reuse the brass. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So my, my, our opinion, my opinion, anyway, Daryl can differ if he wants, but my opinion is, is the 70000 When you start exuding primers to the point of failure with 70,000ths diameter firing pin tip, you're beyond where you should be anyway, as far as pressures that mm-hmm. you're shooting. Um, and for a hunting rifle, the smaller, you know, the you go with the smaller primer or firing pin tip it it just becomes weaker and it's But mm.
0: well, technically <laughs> you're saying a smaller firing pin tip would allow for higher pressure yes in your ammunition only if you're staring at the primer is it actually higher pressure or is it just visually no. what you see it, it's what happens when you
1: touch that high pressure round off it it this the larger the hole the more unsupported area behind the mm. primer there is.
3: Is that 70,000 more likely to pierce than the 62 or vice versa? Well, I imagine the smaller one is more likely the to pierce. The 62 is this, more likely to pierce. No, 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 no. No, that's well, reversed.
1: <laughs> okay. So now we'll go to firing pin protrusion. There we okay. go. If you had an extreme amount of protrusion, the 60,000 firing pin theoretically could pierce, literally pierce the primer. But generally what happens is not that you're piercing the primer from the firing pin. It's that your pressure is so high that the primer cup is extruding into being the push pushed hole. back in. Yeah. So the smaller pin tip means there's a less unsupported primer cup. Mm. And so it's less likely to extrude into
0: the firing pin hole. Is there a standard firing pin protrusion that a guy can measure?
1: Generally around 50 to 55, I think you'll find on most actions. A little bit less, maybe. But that's So if I'm talking
0: of... to a guy on the phone who's having some issues with some, you would call them, you know, what do we call rounds that don't fire? Squi- squi- no, they're called a, a squib. Squib. So a guy calls
1: up and squibs when it makes halfway down the barrel. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: But he calls in. he got a a 50 box of unknown munitions ammo and says that 10 of them didn't fire, for example. Well, that's, you know, a couple things I think is all, you know, it could be something to do with the primer batch, but we use only the the highest quality primers, right? It's either federal gold match primers or CCI primers, or um, more than likely there's some issue with firing pin protrusion and not popping the primer enough. Two things happen there. One,
1: is like firing pin protrusion can be an issue. The other thing
0: Easy that can happen track. is that the, the headspace, mm-hmm. mm. so There's movement in the round that shouldn't be there. So the, your firing pins pushing it forward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
3: I had a few of those in the mm-hmm. UM yeah. first go around. I didn't cram them into the lands. Oh, uh,
0: okay. Well, you're fire forming at that point is what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. That's yeah.
1: Especially
3: with wild yeah. cats when you're cats a new and you're fire forming.
0: forming. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, so fire and pin diameter, that makes sense. Uh,
2: the shape sure. on the tip makes difference too. Okay. As far as extruding, like
1: a more round, like a full ball shape is more likely to, uh, has more tendency to extrude. Donut. Yeah. We use kind of a, a I don't know what you going to say, a flat Partial. dome. It's a okay. big radius. Squared of off like... with a round
3: edge. <laughs> How many different variants? Not square.
1: Whatever you decide to make.
3: Oh, you make them in-house. Yeah. Oh, gotcha.
0: They don't make themselves, Ryan.
1: Well, I didn't this know, I didn't Insta know you machinist. went to the
3: firing pin, you know, Amazon of firing it's pins. Insta machinist.
1: <laughs> With experience, you develop a shape that is less. Does tendency. everybody
3: make their own or can you Pretty order much. them? Okay. Well, I mean, for
1: a range of 700, you can order them. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Only the good guys. It, hey, and then before the captured firing pins, I don't even. What's uh, a
1: captured firing pin?
3: Captured, like it's inside. We talked about this before, me and Daryl. I had a little issue, a little like with, a uh, Glock. No, I had a little issue with uh you know, may have been too hot and protruded back into my bolt, the pin, the uh, br- uh, primer. But it's captured. Like it's, may have been the too pin hot. is wrapped. Uh, you know, it's in case the. Um, I'm not saying this right. The steel is wrapped around the shroud. actual shroud of the pin, or the where the pin goes through the hole.
2: Yes, our firing pin tip that never leaves about? the hole. You
0: uh, when you try to explain something, it is confusing as hell.
3: Well, I'm kind of like Yoda. I'm just so fucking so, are smart. you talk?
1: Are you talking on the back end of the firing pin? Or are no, you no. Talking the firing pin goes bolt.
3: through the bolt. Okay, it's captured. Like some of them are just all willy nilly floating in the air, and yeah. some are Our, captured. Ours is,
2: ours are. Con- guided. So the 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 tip guided, the, guided is a good the word. Whole, the tip of the pin distance. is
1: in the firing pin hole, even when the thing is cocked. It doesn't leave that hole, and yeah. that's done for accuracy reasons, because. If you have it just floating around in there, then it's like kind of
0: bouncing its way into the hole. And
3: so, captured would be a good term. Guided guided
0: is good. You mean that basically the, the end of the firing pin at all times is in the it same never, little area. It never
1: leaves and it's it doesn't supported. come out of the hole. It's it supported all the
0: way around it. Yeah. 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 Captured. Guided. And okay. Ryan, and the tip okay. is the Donut.
2: only thing Donut. in the front that touches.
0: We're going to we're do a podcast. Uh, Luke just brought up. We're going to do one on basically terminology when it comes to rifles and ammo and stuff. Well, and I it's going to be WTF is CBTO. <laughs> and we're going to name it that. <laughs> and we're going to work our way down all this shit we're talking about.
3: Well, I'd never heard. I thought you said captured to me because I'd never heard he that term. Have.
0: So Because he, he and I <laughs> differ on terms.
3: <laughs> terminology. Yeah. Okay. And to that,
0: finish off that one, cock on close, cock on open. So...
1: All modern bolt action receivers cock on opening. The only cock on close that they're talking about is if they don't fully cock on opening. And so as you go to close it, the sear on the bolt, as it contacts the sear on the trigger, the bolt contacts the trigger before the, bolt is all the way forward so you're literally pushing the bolt forward with your hand as you're closing it and that would be okay additional caulking um and that's one thing that you can tweak with the with the hanger we were talking about earlier on you know some people's actions if they make them adjustable you know different positions in our model tr and our wrist actions you can play with that um that that's, it's not important as far as function and accuracy, but it's,
0: it does make a big difference on how the action feels when you close it. Mm-hmm. How about, uh, how about ignition timing and how a shitty trigger might affect that?
1: When oh, you are talking ignition timing. You're talking the time it takes for the firing
3: pin to hit the primer. Well, their 700s are all shitty triggers, so. Well,
0: I, I just. I'm seeing some information specifically about a certain brand of trigger that can oh, affect. Yeah. So how might a trigger affect ignition in general?
1: I'll, I'll I'll only talk about what I have experience with. The one trigger I have a lot of experience with is Jules because they were the only two ounce trigger for years that was any good. The one thing about a jewel trigger, though, is it requires quite a bit of force. I don't know. I wish we I had a trigger sitting here mm. so I could make it clearer, but can I draw a big picture?
0: Mm-hmm. Would you, Luke, would you throw a big picture of a trigger tech or a jewel trigger up on the uh, jewel, J E W E L L, up on the screen there? So the portion of your trigger
1: that that falls. Your, your trigger your bolt sear is contacting it here. Or your firing pin. Very crude. <laughs> anyway, the, the tops the top piece of your trigger that falls that allows the firing pin to go forward. On jewel triggers, their design is such that that requires a fair amount of force to fall, and so. Your your firing pin assembly is wasting energy and slowing being slowed down because of that extra force it requires to fall. Once it falls, it's free, but it requires extra force to get there because it's like a inside the trigger, it's like it's gotta go over center mm-hmm. to to fall. Um the basic Remington pattern, super basic trigger where you just have a trigger sitting out of a bar and a it falls away and falls down. I mean, it's, that's very low uh, resistance to the
0: firing pin being able to go forward. So the trigger, the part of the trigger that falls when you pull the trigger to allow the firing pin to go forward can contribute. It can slow down ignition. Yeah. How long it takes. Can it affect firing pin protrusion? No. Okay. Not in
1: any modern action design that I've seen. Okay
0: but generally you want your firing pin to have unimpeded travel through yeah. the bolt and you don't
1: and, want excessive resistance and, and, from and the trigger over, and over the top of the trigger
2: okay so is that called some, the sear there's some th- yeah there's some theories that some triggers bounce back up and hit the hit the firing pin as it goes forward and stuff um i don't know if that's accurate or not but anything Impacting your firing pin as it's moving forward could be an issue for extreme accuracy. Mm-hmm. There's some and reliable we, ignition. Yeah,
3: Jules giving me fits in the woods. Yeah, I, I didn't shoot a big. I don't really
1: recommend Jule trigger. Yeah. For I think a at this point rifle.
0: you're going to run out of triggers that haven't well, failed on you. In the 700
3: triggered is flawed. It is. That's the weakest point of a the 700 clones is the trigger. It's not just the jewel. So it's
1: there's. You can have go you through. tried a Bix and Andy?
3: No, but the only one that's passing like the drop test is like the Geisley Super 700.
1: They're a good trigger,
3: but the the jewel. And people, you can tell me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> both times it's been in freezing rain. Yeah, and they don't it?
1: do well with no with garbage. And
3: I had to literally bring it to a wall tent, heat it up to get it mm-hmm. to actually function.
1: Yeah. Well, is that a tall? What? Where? Where is that freezing? Freezing rain. It's like, okay, what are you
0: going to do about that? Get a Tika. <clears throat> <laughs> Basically, if you put if you put ice in any trigger, is what he's saying. The trigger's yep. going to have an issue. Well,
3: we did a test on rock. We did a test on that on rockslide.
4: Yeah.
3: And the only one that functioned with that heat, cold, heat, cold, heat was the TK trigger.
4: Yeah.
3: That and that's a fundamental flaw on why you look at all the militaries going away from seven hundred clones is because of the trigger.
4: Hmm.
1: Well, get a Bix and Andy trigger and do that test for me. I want to find out. We've had really I just good set up an account those. with those guys
0: through Bullet Central.
3: Yeah. Aren't they? Uh, They're pretty in- pricey. English?
0: They're made in Austria.
3: Oh, are they? Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. Bullet Central is basically the
1: distributor in the U.S. for yeah. them, as I understand it. What
3: yeah. makes that trigger different?
1: It's completely different internal design. It uses, uh, it's sear surfacer, a couple ball bearings.
3: Oh, really? Isn't? The trigger tech ball have ball bearing function? No, this,
2: these aren't rotating balls. Oh, they, okay. They basically, they have two balls stacked on top of each other with your sear sitting on top of the two balls. And then the two balls are held in perfectly in alignment until you pull the trigger. Then it allows the balls to collapse. Hmm. So we've set them up down a shot show. So you blow on the trigger with your mouth and it'll go off and you can drop it on the ground. And it won't go off.
1: You're kidding me. Mm, it's... They're the safest, uh, really light, like two ounce type trigger there is, but they also work from what we've seen. They've been re- reliable in hunting situations. For a, for a hunting application, they,
0: is it
2: the sport? Which one is it? The sport, sport tack, tack. or sport tech? That's the best T- one. Tax sport. Um, they sport. also make the um, Dakota. So I'd probably just use the Dakota on most of my hunting guns. Where, What's the, the difference out? between the? Internally, I'm not positive, but there's no adjustments to them. Bring up basically Bix and Andy
0: triggers at Bullet Central. You said Taxport and and what was the deal? Dakota. Dakota.
3: It's interesting because I have had trouble with the jewels the most, definitely with the Timothy, especially the Calvin Elite, Mm -hmm. and Trigger Tech Diamonds fell twice so far. The Geisley's the only one that hasn't shit the bed on me.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like you're one of them guys that ruins everything. Well, I he actually, can fuck
3: shit up. Yeah, but I do something. Yeah. Well, there There's are just some people like I that. do something yes. different than most people. I actually fucking hunt.
4: right <laughs>
0: no you, you we're you talking about dropping the, stuff you're just talking all the time I yeah, yeah i do do
3: a lot of that that's yeah. why we have a podcast
0: so here's the okay the oh here's the dakota so hey 199 mm. is not bad at all it no. must be the tax port that's much yes much more expensive. is it the is it the weight adjustment range like trigger tech that makes the difference or well this yeah. one here you
2: can only do pull weight the others you can do sear engagement and all the other stuff. Oh, so yeah, a tax port could be port the go-to. Oh, you can go down to ounces. And this one's
1: an aluminum housing, machined aluminum housing, uh-huh. and the other one's a machine stainless housing.
3: Okay. And they also have a like a bench rest model. Yeah. Yes, then they have.
0: Yeah, the whole benchrest line. Got gotcha. Well, you would you would equate this Dakota to a to a a, a trigger tech special like kind of the mid-grade just trigger tech standard yeah okay a lot
2: about trigger tech
0: but. scroll scroll down what is the weight adjustment range on that luke
2: down to one pound oh
3: shit oh bruce is one, one to third. four Dura and a half on it it's because nice. one to four and a half whoa that
0: would work very well it's right fully in.
3: weather resistant there you go we're gonna give her a shot. <laughs> Hey, well, let's do it. Let's I've do hey. it. I've heard this before. Let's ourselves
0: do a test here for Chute to Hunt. Trigger Tech Special versus Bix and Andy. And the guys Dakota leave.
3: versus. And the two-stage, I'm lame at this just to shit I hear, is that the two-stage helps because it actually sweeps out in front of the sear. Any, any? I don't know.
1: But these, okay, in the other, in the tax Sport, they, it's two-stage available oh, as they, well. Yeah. Uh, double test.
3: Have you heard of that? I mean, am I... I don't know. There's a lot of crap you hear about. Yeah, there is. And triggers is like a sticking point. So, yeah.
0: Triggers and scopes for you.
3: Well, the Night force, you're good. <laughs> i can tell you're not. Well, <laughs> I have right. broke a few Night force. Exactly. <laughs> they all break. Things. They all break. It's mechanical device. Yep. yep. They just seem to break less.
0: Okay. Something for my own uh, knowledge here. When we're talking about an action feed port and how it's cut so that you can either have a BDL setup or a magazine Mm -hmm. setup. Like just, just give us the basics on, for example, our Vesper long is set up for a a magazine.
2: (laughs) And I was, I was not paying attention.
0: If a guy calls me and says, can I use a BDL setup on the Vesper long? how does that work? Like the cut on the load port of the action, having the ammo sitting up against it versus the ammo being in a magazine ready to feed. How does that work?
2: A good question. I usually have to go search every time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on so, this, on this action in particular, I want to take this barreled action out and I want to put a floor plate to feed in, the in ammo. Floor plate
2: type. Yep. If you use like a Wyatt's Mm-hmm. box above the floor plate so the Wyatt's box is essentially acting
0: as a magazine yes it'll guide okay, so, cases so you have to have you're essentially having an internal it is an internal yes. mag yep. you can't just put the ammo up against the bottom of the action not in these vespers
2: not yeah not in most of our stuff but nowadays. you can we,
0: have an action that's cut a certain way for we, that yes
2: we can cut the feed lips for that but i say it then it <laughs> you're in a that's all you can do. It. That's guy, all you can you know, do. You, know. you will essentially Nowadays, machine everybody in. Everybody wants to switch three yeah. calibers before they even get the action to yeah. deliver to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the only way to handle that is make a big port and allow the magazine okay. to control it.
0: Okay. So as long as we're either using an internal Wyatt's box or internal mag box of some kind or an external DBM setup,
2: you don't have to worry about how your action is cut. In general, No. Okay. As long as the lips are wide enough to allow the biggest case you're going to go through it. Okay. And long enough to, you know, work with this system you're putting under it.
0: That makes sense. That's good.
2: Uh, Pressure relief hole.
0: So certain action manufacturers, or or maybe it's a requirement for all. I'm not sure. This is the reason for the question. In an overpressure situation some actions I've seen have literally have a hole on the side of the action in order to relieve pressure in an excessive pressure situation to avoid catastrophic failure. So, so,
2: three lug has that.
1: So this is the deal. When you have a two lug conventional style bolt action, Mauser Springfield, Remington 700 bat. Most everybody uses a two lug. You have two big slots right down the side of the action All your gas that's coming down there from an, uh, a situation is going to go down those raceways, and no amount of holes in the side of the action is going to change, uh, make,
2: it any, path, s- make it any make it any safer.
1: Resistance. It's it's all going to come down the raceways. It's not going to go out those little holes drilled. On why the side. are these?
2: Why are <laughs> so, these
0: freaking action? So
1: the bolt, you see, there's one gas hole in the bolt, mm-hmm. and that's to help. No, no, no. It's over there on the top. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so when that's in the closed position, that's facing the port side of the receiver, which is a huge hole to let the gas out. You don't need a hole right there because you have a raceway right there that's going to let all the gas out immediately. The hole's going
0: to do nothing. So the guys putting the hole in the receiver are just having fun? Well, Well, it depends on the action design. Okay. So like on our three lug and the Benchrist action we make
1: for uh, the Nuvo – that use full diameter bolts, they completely block oh, that area. And so you have to provide oh, gas port it. holes in that front receiver ring to allow the gas to go out. Okay. And as well, like a Savage copy action with the that puts the little block behind the lugs that stays and blocks the lugs, those need gas port holes in the front receiver ring got to it. let the gas out. Otherwise, they'll just blow that that piece that's supposed to block the
0: gas.
3: So right holes in it. like a Remington seven hundred are just that's just for looks. Pretty much. Gotcha.
0: But every action does need some type of pressure relief you system
1: should. in place. You should. Otherwise, if you it's have one, one of those it. failures though, it's it's like, I don't know. Your world is is screwed up for that day or maybe longer.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> have it's, you had a two lug scenario like this action have a catastrophic failure on the front end of some kind? I've intentionally blown them up. But not, but not unintentionally, to this point.
1: Well, we have we've had a couple customers that
0: have I don't
1: know, very few or four of them. Yeah, in twenty some years. Nice.
3: I'd imagine that's like well over two hundred thousand psi to make it even. Well, you know, really,
1: it it doesn't have to be that high of pressure. It just has to be as high enough for the brass to completely fail. And when the brass the brass is your O-ring of the world, as long as the brass holds, you can shoot, in our actions, you can shoot really high pressures. But mm-hmm. as soon as the brass fails, all that gas is going places where it was never intended at a very high rate, and stuff starts coming undone. So the worst I've seen, I was able to split one of our bolts, but the entire bolt stayed in the action. Uh, the extractor stayed in the ejector stayed in everything stayed Drown in the stayed action in. everything stayed in what what load was it well i just kept going up until it blew up
3: what <laughs> what cartridge was it
0: full of pistol powder
1: 300 uh, rum i've done it i've <laughs> done it with uh magnum sizes uh and br sizes Wow. it you know in in between
3: like um, hiding pulling this, hiding behind something pulling it, it, this it, really, it
1: it's catastrophic no matter whether it's a PPC or a, a magnum. It's the level of the level of, of mess that happens when you get to that point is uh intense.
3: <laughs> Brass is the O-ring of the rifle world. I like that.
0: <laughs> okay, how about uh I I get this comment more often than not, and hopefully we can overcome it someday. But the whole idea that Originally, Bat Machine had really tight tolerances between lug and body. And basically, a few years back, maybe many years back, there was, you guys made a change and increased the clearance. So there's always been tight tolerances, still tight tolerances.
1: But yes, we increased the clearance on our three and a half thou. Yeah. You three, gave me the number before. Three to three and a half thousand. Three to
0: three and a half thousand. of uh, Which is pretty hunting, standard.
1: Hunting actions
0: only. Yes. So three and a half thousandths of clearance. So that's not an issue anymore. Never has been on a vampire hunting action or bumblebee or on the Vesper. No. It's all three and a half thousandths clearance and, and no issue should be had there. No. Correct. Perfect. How about any field tips for... Field tips for any type of action issue you might run into, maybe a tool you might carry with you when you're hunting, and anything at all about field use. Oh, I should always carry a hammer. Always carry a hammer. A big, <laughs> big rock. Big one. That's what big I do. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're hunting with a Ryan. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He is a failure magnet.
3: Oh, I take it to its limits. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, I, I with don't, our God. bolt being easily strippable. That's
3: one of the greatest pieces, parts of that... Your action in that bolt, yeah.
2: Um, I don't know, well, just a rag,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, r- well, basically well, a cleaning I mean, element
0: and some lubricant.
2: Wouldn't hurt to have set screw or Allen wrench for your set screws, just in case happen to back out or something.
1: Um, I feel like in a hunting situation, if you have to carry tools, it's pointless. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah,
0: you should have you should have reliability from the start for sure. The only thing
1: I have, is, I mean. Yeah, a rag back at the tent to wipe the thing down after a rainy day. (laughs) I always
0: carry that little tube that you guys give with the actions of the Milcom. You know, I would would have a little sleeve of lube of some kind that you can put on your bolt. And after you had to clean it, you get dirt in it. Even at the Night Force Challenge, I had to clean the rifle really well between, you know, day one and day two. Um, but yeah, being able to clean and lubricate mm-hmm. your bolt and your raceway area. How about just having working knowledge about, I can't tell you how many guys probably own an action where you can remove the firing pin by hand, but they don't know how to do this Yes, and, and then put it back in. So working knowledge of your equipment that you're yeah. using would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I would say is for competition
1: shooters, it'd be, I'd, I'd have a can of canned air with me. Canned air. Okay. You. You know, get something. Oh, that'd be good for a night. You work blow a yes. blow a primer, or a, you know, turn a turn a primer into a donut, <laughs> and that little that little piece will be floating around in your bolt. Yeah, uh-huh. okay, it doesn't come out, and that will cause you misfires, and because firing pin can't go all the way forward. So God, if you pop it apart, knock it out, or can of compressed air to squirt that in there to blow it out. Good, that'd be handy. Or if you get a bullet stuck in your rifling and and you pull the case out and your action's now full of powder a a can of canned air be handy to Uh to stick in there and blow the blow out Yeah,
2: good powder out of there good deal and when you're hunting um, with the milcom grease it should be put on worked into the surfaces and then cycle the bolt a few times and then remove the excess with a rag as long as you don't use a solvent the Milcom is still there. Mm. Yeah. That way, if you do have powder dropped in, it shouldn't be sticking to anything in your gun. Yeah,
0: there's a part number for that too. Maybe we'll have l- Luke. Maybe you can throw that part number for that Milcom lube uh, in the description. Uh, but it's Milcom M I L C O M M. I think there's mm-hmm. a dash in between. Yeah, That's good stuff. I think any lube probably would be better it, than nothing, yeah. though. I mean, even if you got to break your Vaseline out from your first aid kit, if you, I mean, well, if
2: it's locked up, well, I. Uh, in general, though, with the melanitis stuff, we're talking hunting guns. We recommend on our our guns, and if you're using it for hunting, melanite. And of course, all yours are done that way. Hmm. With that process, it doesn't. You don't want or need a bunch of grease on it because the grease just attracts dirt, sticks, prime, branches, everything else. Mm. Yeah. So, so just clean would be better. A, if you use, yeah, just it clean would be to better. Have better it dead cleaner.
1: dry in some
2: situations. Yeah. Uh-huh. And again, this is for melanite stuff. If it's, if you have r and stainless actions, bear, you know, yeah, you gotta have something on it, mm-hmm. but, um, any of those new synthetic greases or oils, um, would be fine. But if I was in hunting situation, yes, I would clean it with a dry rag in the, in the action and my bolt before I'd go out in the field. Mm-hmm. That way nothing's going to stick to it. Okay. And you're only gonna shoot a few times. Yeah. One, one round is all you Hopefully need. Hopefully only once. So. <laughs> I need all of them. <laughs> I need all the <laughs> rounds. Uh,
0: when are When is the first batch of Media vespers getting here? Oh,
2: damn. Uh, they should be back I'll the, the shop Mellon, tomorrow. Right? Yeah. Okay. Got maybe, the maybe today even.
0: So okay. working through assembly, and then so we're talking a few weeks out. Two yeah. weeks. Two weeks out. So for those of you that either secured one with a deposit or are wondering, or if you like to wait around, until stuff's actually here, you got a couple weeks to get a medium, and then uh, I did briefly talk to Daryl about doing a short vesper,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and I guess maybe like a first of the year release might be cool.
2: It'd probably be about where yeah. we need to be
0: now. So you guys understand. So we have a we have a, a long action vesper and a medium vesper that's about to show up, uh, and we're going to work on a short. But the badass thing about the short. Is going to be that with our bottom metal and magazine, you're going to be able to fit three one fifty. He's already done the design, and we took the model that you sent him. That's a schmedium. It's, it's a shmiedium. it is a schmedium, <laughs> right? But it's 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 basically turning a, a real short action. So this is a real true short action, seven hundred short action M five inlet. You're going to fit three one fifty in the mag. That's going to be phenomenal. That is awesome. Fantastic. If you want to secure one of those shorts, you could definitely send us an email, but it'll be around the first of the year, we yeah. hope. Yeah. We'll have to get some in the production schedule. Yeah, that makes the 6.5 PRC a little cooler. Oh, all, all the short Magnums, 300 WSM, 7 SOM, 6.5 PRC, 6.5 Psalm, 7 WSM, all those guys.
3: 6UM. Don't forget that little
0: guy. 6UM. <sighs> 6UM is pretty – it's it's good in that – yeah, but it's going to make it better. Yep. But yeah, so short Vesper and then – uh yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So around the first of the year, mediums will be here in a couple weeks. And last question I have on the list here is: What is your opinion on prefit barrels for today's modern actions? If guys that Chambered them know what they're doing, nothing wrong with them. We've had quite a few shouldered prefits coming in that needed to be repaired. Oh, well, fixed for I headspace guess they didn't issues know what they were recently. Doing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, and again, I don't know what the other manufacturers are doing, but for a bat, action, our right. action manufacturers are doing, as far as keeping their headspace the same. But on a bat, unless somebody's screwed with it, it's going to be identical. Yeah. And I, one to the next. I don't have any qualms taking any of my barrels off any one of my guns, screwing oh, yeah. on any one of my other guns or anybody else's gun mm-hmm. with and a bat, it's, and it's going to be perfect. Or swapping bolts, you two with the same rifles. Yeah. One of them hangs up. We'll be bringing other. a spare, just in case. Never yeah, know. Never know. But that, you know, like a benchrest match, somebody has a problem. Everybody shooting PPC. Just Grab somebody else's <laughs> B bolt, toss it in. Go mm-hmm. to the, it's gonna be the same. And that being said, we do we do
0: officially offer prefits for bat machine actions here yeah. at Unknown. So Good. that would be a shouldered prefit. This is not for a prefit barrel can have a nut on it. Right, where you set your own headspace. I don't know if that's officially called for, a prefit. For, for but savage type. Yeah, savage for and savage. remage. So mm-hmm. they'll do they'll do a similar savage setup, but for a Remington seven hundred thread pattern, they like to call it a Remage.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That's kind of considered a pre or what, what used to be considered a prefit or a, or a user install type mm-hmm. of barrel. But now basically actions are so tight toleranced that you can shoulder a barrel just like a gunsmith would do without the action present. This is what we're talking about. So it's mm-hmm. it's essentially like your action is here with us, but it's not. Yep. And that's because each action is exactly identical to the next.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Cool. I got,
3: I got a non-action question. Uh-oh. You guys see a lot of barrels. Button or cut and why?
2: Well, uh, what I, <laughs> <laughs> I like cut. I it's like not cut. because of the way they shoot. It's because of the ease of the they, indicating it in the when I cut at, when I'm chambering it up, and yeah, I've done some button barrels, and the guys I cut them for love them and they shoot really, really good. It just I don't like working on them as well.
0: This is exactly what we get with carbon six. So all every one of my personal rifles has a, has a carbon six barrel on it, but Blaine just curses the world. Every time he's got to dial one in and cut it, like Blaine, your pain is 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 my pleasure, basically.
3: For <laughs> Blaine, he's I getting know beat up this whole. Podcast. He
0: is, he is. He comes up several times, but yeah, it seems to be that button rifle mm-hmm. barrels they don't dial in as good, they don't cut as easy. But well, fuck, they all, all those carbon six barrels shoot. Every carbon six barrel we've had has been a shooter, and they're all button. So, so, cut barrels really didn't
1: catch on until I would say. I mean, they've always been around, but Krieger was probably, Krieger and Boots Obermeyer were probably the only two well-known barrel makers that were making cut barrels into the mid-90s. And before that, you had Hart and Schillen and Lilja and uh, one or two smaller guys that made all, all made button,
0: and that's what everybody used. And they... They shot great, and they still shoot great. It was kind of CNC that brought on the cut rifling. Is that right? The the idea of CNC, well, computer uh, control machining. A couple of benchrest shooters started trying to Krieger
1: barrels. the The long, the military shooters are shooting over the course type stuff. Uh, had been shooting Kriegers and Obermeyer cut barrels for years, but nobody really. Yeah, it's just those guys, you know, mm-hmm. from the bench rest people perspective. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to shoot. They can't shoot small <laughs> groups. Anyway, some of the bench rest shooters started trying the the Krieger barrels and uh found that they shot really well. And bench rest is like fashion. It's like what's in one week is out the next. And so it became a fad. And The cut barrel does allow the barrel maker to control a lot more stuff than you can control with a button. So it became popular for guys wanting to try different twist rates. The twist rate of a cut rifle barrel is more consistent because the button takes a little longer to start uh, turning at a constant rate as the the pull rod has to, you know, Stretch and twist. Yeah. I mean, the button's got the helix ground into it, and a lot of the barrel makers also have the pull rod geared to the button twist. But the it's just little things like that that people started noticing that they could, you know, with the cut barrels, they could do things that they couldn't do with a button barrel. And, yeah, all the barrel makers are busy, and then you had uh, uh, Bartline jumped in there, previous Krieger employee and,
0: uh, yeah. And then people, a lot of other guys started doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, what about the buttons induce stress into the steel, whereas cut relieves the stress? Cut does not relieve stress. It just puts less stress.
1: Less stress. Um, yeah, button definitely puts stress and the barrel makers take measures to take care of that. They, they stress relieve them after they button them but the one thing that you're allowed to do with a cut barrel that you aren't you can't do well with a button barrel is you can cut a barrel after the diameter has been reduced because and you can do a tapered barrel and still cut it and have consistent bore dimensions where a button barrel you have to button it with the barrel being a full diameter straight cylinder and do mm. all your turning afterwards. Uh-huh. So the turning afterwards, if the barrel makers not careful with their stress relieving uh, processes, can cause issues with bore dimensions mm. and barrel straightness. You don't really find a real problem with the top barrel makers, you know, the shillings and the Hearts and the Liljus, but it's. It's a possibility with, you know, with that process, with, if they're not careful in their processes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you find, I mean, all barrels are lapped, lapped, lapping's the last thing to do, but it's really important with, with button barrels that they lap it to size as their final operation. And all your barrel makers out there, if any of you are listening, hopefully I didn't, uh, tell too many mistruths. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, cool deal. Well,
3: uh, outside of batmachine.com, where can people stock you guys?
1: Uh, Bullet Central carries our actions. Bruno Shooter
2: Supply are the two and of main ones. Unknown Munitions. Yeah. You
3: guys have an Instagram page? We do. I don't know what it's called. <laughs>
4: Bat Machine.
0: <laughs> At Bat Machine. At Bat Machine. Yeah. And you guys got a new website. that's going to roll out pretty quick too, huh? Yeah, Yeah, Daryl keeps getting me to proof it, trying to get me to proof it by uh going out in the shop. Yeah. As soon as Daryl hits the go button, takes it out of maintenance mode. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, guys, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming
3: on. Do you guys we miss anything? Anything you guys want to – closing thoughts or –
1: yeah, just remember that uh, some of these things are people's opinions, including my own.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I have lots of opinions, yeah. and I'm
3: not an expert, just so you know. That's
0: why we like podcasting. It's it's unfiltered.
3: Yeah, it's unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. If you have any questions for me or Jake or anything about Bat Machine, get a hold of us at podcast at shootthehunt.com or dms at shootthehunt on uh, Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thank you're you. You're